0: This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem.
1: Great companies don't do ads about features and benefits. The great mm-hmm. companies tell stories that make you feel some kind of way about right. their product. Right. That's what the genius of the storytelling is.
0: Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. I know. I know. Today is going to be like six or seven, but we have a big guest. So rather than talk about people's uh, wins or successes, uh, we talk about their failures, more specifically the lessons that they learn from those individual Experiences. So, uh, with that being said, my guest today was the former global vice president of marketing for Nike Basketball. He was also the head of marketing for Apple Latin America, and he was also the former CMO for New Bank. Currently, he is the founder of AIE Creative, a design, branding, and marketing communications firm, and he also sits on the board for Estee Lauder Companies. Without further ado. Arturo Nunez. Welcome to the podcast, brother.
1: What's up? What's up, Corey? How you doing, man? I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Likewise, brother. I'm glad you were able to make it on the podcast today. Now, Arturo, I know I just gave you a bit of a, a lightweight intro. So uh, for all my guests that are being introduced to you for the first time, why don't you tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you're doing, how you got started in this industry and your rise to uh, success?
1: Yeah. So, man, I would say um, it's my personal belief that any marketer uh, worth his salt is a storyteller. Mm. So I've been a storyteller for the last 30 plus years of my life. I hate to say exactly how many. I might sound old if I say how many. But third, let's say, say more than 30 years. I've mm-hmm. been a storyteller and had the opportunity to tell stories for some of the greatest brands in the world. Um, starting in my CPG days with uh, with Colgate, Palmolive, and Johnson & Johnson and PepsiCo, uh, to my later career with uh, the NBA, Nike, Apple, and, and NewBank. Bank, um, I had the opportunity to tell stories uh, that make brands more emotionally connective and resonant with customers. Um, I like to say I'm in the love business. I know, look, I got. <laughs> I
0: love the shirt. Black love, black yeah, love.
1: But I, I like to say that I'm a I'm a I'm in the love business because I I create love between people and brands and experiences, um, and so I think that's what it is. It's all about being a storyteller. Um, I've been privileged and blessed to learn from the best, at the best, um, and so that's what my career's been all about.
0: Man, I love that, and I love the way that you describe that. You know, you say that you're in the love business. I- I've never heard it described like that, and connecting mm-hmm. it to advertising. I- I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to steal that from you. I'll <laughs> put my own little spin on it. When I do, when I send my pitches out, you know, I'm going I'm going to take a little bit from that, and Beautiful. what, and just to give my my listeners some context, um. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I do work for Spotify, and I was privileged enough to see Arturo speak at an event uh, for a lot of the Black employees at Spotify. And man, I was blown away by some of the stuff that he shared. And I was like, I got to connect with this brother right here. Uh, so that's this is how this was the kind of the, the, the background to it. Now, Arturo, yeah, no, you also it, it, mentioned it, some, something in your talk about how you got in this industry, how you got inspired. Mm. I think the story goes by like you you saw someone in some executive boardroom. I I would love it if you could share a bit of that story. Sure, sure,
1: sure, sure. You know, I like to say there's a couple of times, you know, we all have these pivotal moments in our lives. There's a couple things that were really pivotal moments in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and one of them was as a 16 year old, I walked into a meeting uh, for an organization called Inroads. It was Inroads, Northern New Jersey. And I walked into that meeting. I actually went with a friend. I had no interest in, in intro. I didn't know what inroads was. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in the organization. I went because a friend had to go to a meeting on a Saturday. And I walked into a room. It was the first time I saw an Afro-Latino man like myself, an Afro-Latino man, in a business suit, speaking articulately to powerful people about business.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: said, I don't know what it is that that guy does, but whatever it is, that's exactly what I want to do. So it blew my mind. And that's why I'm such a proponent of, you have to be able to see it to be it. Right, mm-hmm. so it's important for us as as people in general, as business folks, particularly as minority business folks, to role model behavior and possibility and potential for young people coming behind us. So my life was irretrievably changed that day at sixteen when I met that guy. His name was Miguel Cardona. He was the executive director of Inroads for Northern New Jersey. I'd never seen anyone like him. I set out on a quest to be him mm-hmm. and do what he did, and and ironically. He was not only a business person, he was a business person that worked in marketing.
0: Um, and I ended up, you know, being a marketer, the rest of his history. Man, I love that. And it speaks to the power of representation. Mm-hmm. Got to see it to, to no believe doubt. it. No doubt. So Arturo, as the former VP of marketing for Nike basketball, what was your most difficult launch and why was it your moral, your most challenging? And ultimately, what did you learn from that that particular launch?
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, so many, so many. Um, you know, you like to say that the the path is paved with nothing but success, but there's also challenges mm-hmm. and failures along the way. And sometimes the challenges and failures can teach you more than success does,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: You take a long, hard look at what you've done and how you got there, and and what you can do differently in the, in the future. I would say one of my biggest challenges as the vice president of marketing for Nike Basketball was. When I, I, I left one job, I had a, a job as a head of emerging markets marketing uh, for Nike. And in that role, I handled Latin America, India, Africa, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Korea, you know, half of the hemisphere of the world um, for, for Nike. And, and I loved that job. And I got pulled out of it kicking and screaming into a new job,
2: mm-hmm. which was
1: this vice president of marketing for basketball job. And the reason I was selected for that job is I had a history with, with the NBA so I had ten, spent time working on the sport, and Nike thought I'd be an I- ideal candidate for this role. But when I took the role, uh, I inherited an athlete, you a know, little-known athlete that I'm not sure many of our listeners will know, a guy named LeBron James, maybe? Yeah, I, 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 I,
0: I think I heard of him. Sounds familiar.
2: <laughs>
1: so I inherited, I was privileged to inherit the marketing for LeBron James, Kobe, Kyrie, uh, KD, Paul George, an embarrassment of riches of athletes. Um, But one of my big challenges was uh, LeBron had just done a show on television called The Decision,
2: Mm. where he informed
1: the world that he was moving from Cleveland to Miami, a move that back then was seen as something less than heroic, right? Despite, I think many people misunderstood the reason for the show and the reason for the move. Um, But I inherited LeBron at that time. He had just moved down to Miami. People were saying all kinds of things about championship chasing and, You know, super team building and leaving his hometown and that kind of stuff. Uh, And so it was an interesting marketing challenge. You know, this guy was a little bit of a pariah at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we said, well, what do we do? How do we tell a story that's going to ingratiate not only the people of Miami, but people in general with this guy? Because we knew who he was as a person. We've been doing business with LeBron for a long time. We knew what kind of human being he was, what kind of superstar he was, what kind of family man he was, what Mm -hmm. kind of community man he was, what kind of brother he was, what kind of loyal man he was. We said, "How do we tell a story so that people understand who this guy really is and don't question his motivations?" Right, and so we did an ad uh, with Nike called "Training Day." And "Training Day" had two inspirations. I think every great communication is born of inspiration. The two big communicate the two big inspirations were one was the rumble in the jungle, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali's fight mm-hmm. in zaire mm-hmm. Africa, and Muhammad Ali showed up a few weeks before that fight and got to know the people of Zaire. And he ran the streets with the people. By the time George Foreman arrived, Muhammad was already the people's champion, right? So we right, thought about right. that. How do we make this guy the people's champion? And the second thing was a true uh, idea, which was he liked to ride his bike to practice. He liked to ride his bike to Interesting. practice. Interesting. We merged those two ideas. We came with an ad called Training Day. It was literally LeBron riding his bike through the streets of Miami, connecting mm. with the people of Miami, kicking it with the kids in Miami, and being the person he really is which is this people's champ of bringing people together and all about community and all about his city, uh, the new, his new city, which was Miami at the time. Right. And the ad played beautifully. It was a beautiful ad. Uh, John, We were privileged to have John Legend on the score. Mike Will made it, did the music track. Um, the presence of obviously LeBron. And uh, immediately you can hear people say, "Well, man, you know, he, LeBron does love the children. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Um, so we got an opportunity to tell that story, and it was the beginning of a turnaround for LeBron. Made of many things, I don't just credit myself and my team for the work, but right. he obviously delivered on the on the court. He delivered for Miami. He delivered for his teammates. He right. delivered for the city. He eventually delivered back for Cleveland. So yeah. it was the beginning of this big turnaround for him. Uh, I'd say less than twelve months after that ad aired, he was Sports Illustrated's Man of the Year, GQ Man of the Year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. More wow. than an sleep all day. Um, and so I like to believe that I was a little part of that, of bringing that to life and telling that story, humanizing and dimensionalizing this incredible athlete.
0: Wow. You know, so many things to to to, to take away from that, Arturo. And one of the things that that um, has come to mind for me is the fact that sometimes it could be easy as a viewer to just look as a look at a commercial as a company trying to sell a product or a service. Mm-hmm. But what I just heard you just illustrate right now was that you guys really intently focused on telling a story with a, a a crafted narrative? You know, stealing a little bit from Muhammad Ali's uh kind of situation back in the day, yeah. and now that I'm like I re- I remember that commercial, and now sure. that I'm hearing you kind of filling in the blanks and the details, I'm like, wow, that that was that was incredible right there. Because, yeah, yes,
1: sir, brother, you know, I, if you don't mind me adding to that, uh, first, yeah, go first, ahead. Yeah, man, I did a talk recently at a university uh in Iowa. Mm-hmm um i told the kids in the room i said hey when we get to the end of this there's gonna be a quiz so be prepared for a quiz mm. and during the, the talk I, I shared a lot of different pieces of work many things that i had had my hands in or worked on right because obviously you're no good without a team me yeah. and my teams have had my hands on some work done by mentees or mentors mm-hmm. people that i look up to or people that i've you know a, a mentored in this game uh, and when i got to the quiz part i said okay Everybody, pull out your, you know, your, your writing instruments or your your phone. You know, let's get into this quiz. I said, okay. So, what was the um, composite material on the uppers of the Nike shoes in the ads that we shared? <laughs> what was the the RAM memory capacity of the Apple products that we had? What's what's the noise canceling of the Apple AirPod?
0: No one, no none, one that knew. The ads. Yeah. none of that
1: was the ads. none of that was. the ads. not about yeah. that. the yeah. great companies don't do ads about features and benefits. The great mm-hmm. companies tell stories. That make you feel some kind of way about right. their products. Right. That's what the genius of the storytelling is.
0: Right, right. And I, you know what? That that leads me to my next question. But before I get there, I just have to ask sure. you this question. Sure. Who's the goat, LeBron or MJ?
1: Come on, fam. Why you gotta go there, <laughs> man? Why you gotta go, gotta go there, <laughs> real fam? We doing <laughs> this today. Are we really doing this?
0: <laughs> I just have to ask because I, I, you know, you know, it's a topic of discussion in every barbershop, and every hood, whatever. You know what? And I, I, I was look, I, I am a big LeBron fan, and man, MJ is the guy. So I, I'm, I'm split, but I, I be leaning more to LeBron these days. But I just think because he's just more relevant. Because obviously, I he's am still going playing. to, I'm going to answer your question like this.
1: I have yeah. been fortunate, privileged, and blessed. Yeah. To be in the presence of greatness, but mm. been with all three of who I think are the greatest athletes I ever played that game. I spent time with Michael Jordan personally. Mm. I spent time with LeBron personally. Yes. I spent time with a guy named Kobe Bryant personally.
0: Mm. Rest in and peace.
1: All three of the rest in peace, right? All three of those guys are giants. Yeah. They're examples of greatness personified. They are intentionally great because greatness is an intentional choice every single day. You mm-hmm. go out to do something, do you choose to be great intentionally? Right. Uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm just blessed to have been around all three of them.
0: Fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take it. Now on the flip side, Arturo, um, when we talk about and you just alluded to this actually, mm-hmm. you talk about great companies focus on storytelling. So both Apple and Nike. Are known for being you know the best marketing companies, best yeah. marketing machines in the world. Yeah. With that in mind, besides the point that you just you know delivered to us, what is one thing you learn from each one of those organizations that you believe makes them special or elite? Yeah.
1: I would say I could I could typify both of those organizations by saying one specific thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Great companies know. That is a combination of three things that make you a great company. Mm. It's great products, a great experience, and great storytelling. Wow. Both those companies are masterful, thoughtful, intentional, and constantly trying to improve all three of those things for the customer. Great products, great experience, great storytelling. If you do not have those three things, you will never be a great brand. right? And I think that's something that both of those companies do. Extremely well, are extremely thoughtful about and as mentioned, are constantly trying to improve on those three things, dimensions for the customer base.
0: Now, I have a question about that. So, do you think, you know, based on your experience, based on all the things that you've you've witnessed, Mm. is it possible for a company with a mediocre product but Mm. an exceptional marketing execution plan to be just as great as Apple, Nike, Disney, any of those other top brands? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, think, I think it's the three things, man. The three are three dials, right? But they're mm-hmm. all three really necessary. I don't think you can have a mediocre brand and a mediocre experience and do great storytelling and be a great brand. I don't think you can have an exceptional experience for people, but have mediocre product and mediocre storytelling. I mean, think about those brands. Think about Disney. Think about Nike. Think about Apple, right? Right. They're they're, they're dialing up all three of those levers. And by the way, I'm not saying all those are equal. They're all tens. Last thing I said, remember, is they're Mm. constantly trying to improve those three things for their customers as well, right? But I think it's really hard to be one of the enduring, legacy, great brands and not have all three things. As, right. as defined by your customer, the way your customer, because I think the other critical thing right there is all these uh, brands have an incredible and insatiable curiosity about what makes their customers tick and what their customers want. You cannot right. deliver what your customers want if you don't listen to your customer and understand the needs. Right. So I think if you couple those things together, it's an unbeatable formula. Might you be a flash in a pan with a great product and a terrible experience and, and, and no storytelling? Yeah, maybe. Might you be able to do some things if you have a great experience for people, but your product's mediocre and, and your storyteller? So Yes, yeah, so, all. So, you're not going to be an enduring legacy love brand. Listen, I'll break it down this way. Mm-hmm. I have seen hundreds of people. I know there's thousands of people that have the Nike logo tattooed on their body. That's crazy. That don't make no sense. That's irrational. That doesn't right. make any sense. Right. I know that every day, millions of people around the world take a sticker worth less than a penny out of their Apple products and stick it on their $10,000, dollars $30,000 car, their motorcycle, their bicycle. That doesn't make any sense. Right. I've never seen a Dell sticker on a car, a Microsoft sticker, not once. I've never seen a Skechers tattoo on somebody's body. There's a reason why mm-hmm. people feel this emotionally connected to these brands, right? And right. that is the
0: combination of those three things, product experience, we're talking That's that's that is so clutch, man. Um, and you know what? It makes me think of because a lot of my listeners are into the kind of solopreneur startup phase, mm. very early stages of their mm. business. Mm. So as a as a marketing savant as you are, where do you believe? Most companies go wrong with their marketing efforts. And then as a follow-up to that, what are some quick hacks that either like a solopreneur startup can do to kind of, you know, uh, execute their marketing strategy, finalize it, define it?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that, um, you know, a lot of companies make the mistake of not listening to the customer, understanding truly understanding what the customer wants. And sometimes it takes more than just listening. You have mm-hmm. to watch the customer. Sometimes people don't articulate what they want. But if you watch them long enough, you'll know what they want. So having that intimate intimate relationship, that curiosity about your customer, right?
2: Right. And
1: I love that you asked me that question, Corey, because a lot of times I talk to people and they're like, oh, man, you know, this dude is talking about Nike and Apple, companies that have infinite amount of dough and can do whatever they want and can buy whatever they want to tell their stories, to use Mm -hmm. as tools. There's no excuse for anyone who's an entrepreneur trying to tell a story to their customers, trying to have a great experience, great product, to not be thinking intentionally about those things. It mm-hmm. doesn't cost money to do that. Mm-hmm. doesn't cost money to do that. To think intentionally about what is my product? What is my experience? Mm-hmm. What's the story that I'm telling about my product? How is this resonating with my customer? What is the feedback I'm getting from my customers, Am I talking to our customer? Do I really understand my right. customers? There's a misconception that only the big brands that – have all the money, can do this. No, they became big brands Correct. that have all the money by consistently doing this over time, right? So I would say, what is the product that you're offering? Mm-hmm. What's your experience look like? I'll, I'll tell you a story. It's mm-hmm. still kind of, it's a big brand story still, but it, it was a startup right. at the time. So a story. So Warby Parker. Yeah. Glasses wear. Mm-hmm. Wear Warby Parker glasses. i am been wearing the glasses for a decade, more now. Um, and one day, I was going on a business trip and I wanted a pair of glasses that I had ordered to be expedited, shipped to me. So I called Warby Parker to see if I can get those glasses expedited. And I called him up on a Tuesday or Monday afternoon. Phone rings. Third ring. Hello, Warby Parker, this is Lisa. Wait, this is a human being on the phone? <laughs> really crazy. I'm stunned. I stop. I back up. I pull back for a second. I'm like, hello, right. Lisa? Yeah, this Lisa, can I help you? I was like, Oh, listen, bought some glasses, they're due on Friday, They'll be delivered to me. Wanted to see if I can get them on Thursday? I'm going on a business trip. I like to travel with those glasses. Is there any way you can expedite? So let me look into that. She goes away from the phone for a few minutes. She comes back. She's like, Boom, I got you. We're gonna expedite those to you. Here's the tracking number, et cetera, et cetera. Uh oh no, no, she didn't give me the tracking number. She said, We're gonna expedite those for you. They'll be there Thursday morning. I right. said, Hey, by the way. You know, do you have any glass cases that hold more than one pair of glasses? Because I, I like to try with a couple. I've never seen a case that does that. I wonder if one exists. She mm-hmm. said, "No, you know what? We don't have anything like that." I said, "All right, well, well, thank you very much, Rex. But I look forward to getting the glasses. Thank you." And we got off the phone. Boom. About fifteen minutes later, I get an email from Warby Parker. Hey, Arturo, this is Lisa at Warby Parker. Um, here's your tracking number for your shipment. That's arriving Thursday morning now, and. Here are three companies that make a dual glass case, wow. and the links to order them. Come on, fam! Right. Come on, come on! Take my credit card. Put me on a subscription. I'm all in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Some actually, answered the phone and actually cared about what you wanted. Cared enough to didn't matter if they were going to make money on that glass case. They were like, you know what? This is what the customer needs. We're going to try to go above and beyond to deliver right. what the customer needs. That is an example of beautiful service and incredible right. experience. And it's the reason I've been wearing Warby Parker ever since. They're right. not the best, still. They're not they're not the cheapest anymore. I'm still rocking with them because they actually demonstrated they cared. Now, in contrast, mm-hmm. you might call a brand. I'm not to call name names, but you know, you call Home Depot, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling the Home Depot. Your call is very, very important to us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For nails, press one. For light bulbs, press two. For electric cords, press three. For gross, for are you going to walk me through everything in your store <laughs> on your voicemail right now? that how much you care about my company, my, 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 my call to you? Oh, man. It's clear when you hear that, you go, wow, no executive has ever called Home Depot and listened to this. Because he'd be like, that's wow, the idea that we're going to try to walk people through every item in the store to get to where they want to go. So it's just about being thoughtful and intentional. What's the experience? Listen, I would challenge your entrepreneurs. You know, yeah. people say, oh, yeah, you know, Arturo's talking that Nike stuff. You know, I don't have money for it. My guy, what's your what's the experience that gives you give to your product? Mm-hmm. How's it work? Walk me through the steps. So I saw you with a TikTok video. Then what happened?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I clicked on your website. How was that experience? Was it smooth? Did mm-hmm. it take me right to the product I saw on TikTok? Or did I have to dig through a bunch of stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? How are you paving the way for your customer coming to you? Right. At every touch point, all these companies, the Nikes, the Apples of the world, the Disney's of the world, think about every touch point you might have with their product or service. And they intentionally think about how to make that experience a great experience for you. There is no excuse for any entrepreneur. I don't care if you're selling beef patties from a food truck. Mm -hmm. You can still be intentional about what's that experience like. How do people see me? What do they see? What do my fonts and logos look like? Is my menu offering clear? What is my price scheme? How does it compare to other people in the category? What's the experience walking up to that food truck? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? Right. When you meet my employees and they offer you the package, it doesn't matter what business you're in. You can be intentional and thoughtful about those three things.
0: No, that's 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 so key and so clutch. And there's a couple of words that keep popping up here. That is, what is the experience that you're creating, and being intentional about the experience that you're creating. Now, for the big brands that you mentioned, you used Home Depot as an example. Mm. They're obviously a company that has a lot of resources, maybe not as much as Apple and some of the other mm. guys we've been mm. talking about. So mm. why do you think, because I'm going to make the assumption that they're also intelligent people. They also have sure. an intelligent marketing staff and crew. Sure. So why don't you think they have made those type of revisions to their experience? Like you just gave the example of the customer dial where they go through every product and division. Yeah. Why don't you think they've changed that if they know that that could have a negative impact on the customer experience?
1: Yeah, man, you know what's crazy, man? I think a lot of the times, I mean, you know, sometimes you have people that will write bad reviews and tell you what you've done wrong, whatever. But Mm. a lot of people don't have time for all that, bro. They just keep it moving and Mm. don't deal with you anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So how are you going to learn about where in the experience, right, the chain, the the consumer journey is broken if customers, first of all, you got to be listening for the feedback, number one. So the customers have to care enough to even give you the feedback. Because, right. you know, I mean, you ever walk into a crazy-ass experience, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Let's say it was a, a, a ratchet convenience store. You went, yeah. Did you bother to go find a manager? <laughs> it was just like, I'm good on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing That's this no right? Yeah. That's what most people will do. So you got to be really listening for your customers to understand where your experience is broken. And then right. you got to walk yourself through the experience. Listen, companies, like I said, you know, not to overread, but Nike, Apple, the NBA, you know, Disney, they have people who think about the customer journey. What's it right. literally called the customer journey? What is the customer journey from knowing nothing about this brand to being a loyalist to this brand? And what can we do along the way to smooth that journey and keep people coming back and appreciating what we
0: do? That's amazing. One thing about customer kind of reviews and getting customer feedback, I, I recently came across something that said people don't normally say what they mean if you're kind of sitting them down, like in a, let's say a focus group study or something like yeah. that. They'll usually kind of play it up to appease whoever, is like interviewing them. Cool. And the second part to that is in the era of like reviews, you know, you got Google reviews, you got, you got, you got forums like Reddit and so on and so forth, Yelp, all of that, for for the small business owner, forget the big guys here for a second, how much do you kind of lean into that knowing that there's that old saying, you can't please everybody? Where's the kind of rationale logic you have as a, a small business owner, again, that doesn't have the resources of a Nike, how much do you take into consideration what all these people are saying on, on Google and on Yelp and all those other places.
2: Yeah,
1: man, I think, you know, uh, you know, we have a, we have a consumer driven culture and yes, there's mm. a lot of places to hear uh, reviews and comments. I think you take some of them with a grain of sand. I think, you know, I think if you know, there are some things right. that are broken or some things that even your industry hasn't mastered in some way that you're incapable of mastering. That's one thing. But if you're listening long enough, you're going to hear the continuous threads, the things mm. that keep coming up again and again and again, and those are room places to make, listen, if you're not taking those things seriously, if you're not looking in the mirror when you hear those, yeah. I, I'll simplify with a conversation about a, an employee I had, which is mm-hmm. it's all related. I had an employee once and I had a, it doesn't matter what company it was, I had a vice president at the company right. come to me and and criticize something that that employee did in a meeting, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, and, and it, by the way, it was the third time a vice president had done that, a different vice president at the organization had come to me. So I grabbed the employee, I pulled him to the office and said, Hey, man, you know, this right. came to my attention the other day, something that such and such said. And he was like, Oh, man, you know, that dude, man, he's a hater, man. You can't listen to that. Whoa, 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 my guy, stop. Mm-hmm. I got tons of employees, dozens of employees, more mm-hmm. than dozens of employees. Probably at that time, I had 200 and something employees, right? Mm-hmm. Yo, man, of all those 200 and something employees, mm-hmm. no vice president of the organization has ever called me to complain about the actions of one of those employees in a meeting. Right. None, not once, you got three. So let's walk through the customer journey. How does this happen? You go to a meeting, something happens. None of those three vice presidents were in the meeting where the thing happened. Mm -hmm. That means somebody in the meeting was so irate by what happened in the meeting. They went and told their boss Mm -hmm. who may not not have been a vice president who felt like it was necessary to tell their boss who was a vice president.
0: And all three of those
1: people, given the choice of calling me or not, decided to call me. That's a lot of haterate on you, fam. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of I didn't do it. You got to look in the mirror, my brother. You don't have to look in the mirror, right? Because you can't ignore when things come up consistently time and time and time again. You can't ignore it all and say, oh, yeah, the customer is the customer's problem. At some point, it's your problem. And at some point, you as the person responsible are where the rubber meets the road. You got to look in the mirror.
0: I love right. that. I love that. And, they, and the, the thing that I pull the most from that is consistency, that common That's right. That's denominator. Right. That's right. I love That's it. Right. That's right. Uh, so Arturo, let's switch gears here for a second. Now, being the only afro latino mm. in the room, mm. I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm going to make the assumption that you've often been the only guy in the room or one of few in the room, given the level that you've been yes, at. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, my question to you is, did it ever get to you, like in the form of imposter syndrome? If so, how did you deal with it?
1: Uh, it got to me. Um, I would say it took me a while to relieve myself of imposter syndrome. And and the only way you can do that is by having back-to-back wins uh, mm-hmm. in multiple categories of business and multiple businesses, um, putting up points, right? I think it's like anything else. Right. You're a ball player. You may not know if you belong on a, on a court. You start start dropping 20 in different tournaments against different mm-hmm. people, different levels of talent, different places. You start to believe like, maybe I got something here. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that wins will help you get over imposter syndrome, number one, um, despite the fact that it's, it's it's a daunting challenge, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, yes, I always felt the burden of being that one in the room, the only one in the room, one of few in the room, and it's a lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think people, often people don't understand the waters that you swim in. tell a funny story of another business story I was with a colleague once and we were leaving the office i was working in new york at a company and i was leaving the office you know 7 30 8 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and uh, he sat in the cubicle next to me he was a white guy mm-hmm. and I said, hey man where are you going i was like oh i'm meeting some friends for dinner he's mm-hmm. like i'm hungry i was like well come on right Dude was cool we, we you know we were you know colleagues we were in the same trenches fighting these challenges in corporate america and he came with me to the dinner spot and i was going to a place in new york called the shark bar anybody from new york who's an old head like me will remember the shark bar it was an institution in new york mm-hmm. and i walked into the shark Bar. by the way it was a, it was a southern soul food comfort food spot but high end mm-hmm. uh the upper west side and it was all black right and i walk in with my colleague this white dude was tall six eight white dude walk in i see my fam there what's up what's good get our table we sit down white dude sits down next to me we start chit-chatting start ordering some things, whatever. he leans over me. He's like, yo, man. so what's up? He said, I think I'm the only white person in this whole place. <laughs> I, and I was like, yeah, welcome to my life, dog. Order some food. Get some food. <laughs> <laughs> my guy, this is me every day, every meeting, Thanks. every business trip, every travel, yeah. every conference, every day. Order some food, get some drinks, deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he was a beautiful guy. And he was a great sport you know, we had a great time, great conversation. He was super dope. But it people don't often think about the water that we're swimming in mm. consistently. Listen, I, I don't know. I'm sure you do it, man. I, I talk to a lot of brothers. They do the same thing, mm. living in the world that we live in. Man, I walk into a spot. I walk into a a a, a business conference at the Marriott cocktail Mm -hmm. hour, six 30. And you'll walk up to me and be like, yo, how many black people? I'd be like one dude in the corner. There's one waiter, (laughs) one server that walked by and a dude in the front that's taking names. (laughs) Why we do this? I don't know, but we're so used to being, no, not, you know, the only one that we identify folks. We see this. So yes. Has it been a challenge? Yes. Um, Has it been an opportunity to set a bar and be a role model for what's possible for what black excellence, Latino excellence looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking that opportunity to do that. But yes, it can be lonely. It can be rarefied and, and it can be, and it can be daunting in that, you know, these rooms weren't built for us. Right. None of this was built for us to succeed in. I've been in rooms, my guy, where I've said, you know, Hey, I got an idea. Maybe it should be blue
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: crickets mm. and eight to 10 minutes later, somebody says, Hey, have we thought about blue for this? And like, John, what a brilliant <laughs> idea. And I'm like, yo, I just said they're gaslighting me. <laughs> I know I just said that. I know I'm not going crazy. And I've yeah. literally been in the situation so often that I I used to walk out of those rooms and grab one well-meaning person and be like, excuse me, Bob, mm-hmm. did I say blue? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not bugging, right? I said blue, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. It can be a daunting task. It can be a difficult circumstance, but um, the best of us uh, persevere and thrive. Right. Um, I hate the adage that we have to work twice as hard to be just as good. Right. It still remains true in a lot of these spaces,
0: right. um,
1: and so I continue to sharpen my sword and continue to try to be great at what I do. You know, I told you the story about you know uh, having been around Jordan, having worked with LeBron, having worked with Kobe, and, uh, and and the thing that I learned, I repeat, repeat from what I said before is, young know, man, greatness is a choice. It's a choice. And it's not a choice we make once oh, I'm gonna be great. No, no, it's a daily choice. What are you doing today to be right. better than you were yesterday at your craft? You know, right? There's anything I learned from those guys playing at that level of greatness is that you gotta hone your craft and you gotta deliver. And it doesn't matter that you're the only one in the room. Find a way to deliver. So I I read something, I won't, I won't pretend I've made it up. I read something the other day.
2: Yeah.
1: It said the brick walls, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are to delineate the people who really want it from people who don't. Mm. the brick walls the obstacles the right. challenges right are to delineate those people who really want it to those who don't
0: right separate the serious from the curious
1: absolutely i love it the serious from the curious i'll, I'll close on this mm-hmm. um yo man um you know in, in basketball i'm gonna stay on basketball since so that's mm-hmm. been the topic today on basketball you expected to drop buckets without no defense mm. haters are like defense it's part of the game
0: <laughs> i like that I like that analogy. But you're gonna part quit because the
1: there's defense. That's part of the game. Score anyway. Score anyway.
0: Yeah, and so for context, I I tend to ask that question a lot to my guests that that look like you and I because I know I know with imposter syndrome, it's something that people across all races, backgrounds, creeds, whatever, what have you, they deal with that. Sure. But I love to kind of get the perspective because everyone kind of has their way of of dealing and conquering. Yeah. imposter syndrome, or feeling like yeah. they're not not good enough. So yeah. Yeah. I love the analogies that you just shared. Looking at My it as it. a game, right? I, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you yeah. a big story. I was recently so talking about
1: sharpening score swords, right? Yeah. Yo, you heard a you heard a band camp? You know where yeah. kids go yeah. to practice band, band camp? Yo, man I went to speaker camp last week. I went to speaker camp. Oh wow! Speaker camp last week. Not because I'm not good at it. Yeah. I'm trying to get from good to great to exceptional. That's why All I right.
0: went. Right,
1: and while I'm at speaker camp, a guy jumps up on stage, and behind him on the screen is an image of him presenting right. at a Oprah Winfrey conference. Oprah wow. Winfrey is on stage with him. Yeah, he's presenting. Uh, the topic was meditation. He's presenting at Oprah Winfrey conference. She's on stage with him. Mm-hmm. He said he jumps up on stage in front of fifty of us, right, who are all people who are trying to sharpen their sword with regard to public speaking, and he says. Man, I jumped up here and immediately I was kind of nervous because I was thinking, what if they don't like what I do? What if they don't like what I say? What if they don't believe meditation? What if they don't think I'm good enough? What if they don't think I'm smart enough? What if they don't think I'm experienced or credentialed enough to have this conversation with them today? And I was sitting there thinking to myself, my guy, Oprah, thinks so. She's on a picture behind you. (laughs) What are you talking about, son? (laughs) But still, that guy, boom, was still in his head about that. We're all in our heads about this stuff. I think it's mm. even more difficult for Black and brown folks because we don't have the history of success in mm. doing these things. We're all in our heads about this stuff. I'll close on this. Frank Sinatra, one of the greatest jazz singers of all time, right? Yeah. He had help, Quincy Jones, Count Basie, but was a great yeah. jazz singer. Sarah Vaughn, one of the greatest jazz singers of all time. Yo, they threw up before every performance.
2: That's crazy. All the
1: way to the end. Oh, they threw up before every performance all the way to the end, Wow. What did they have to prove? Who was going to criticize them?
2: Wow. Best
1: in the game, clearly, they threw up. So, this is what I tell people nervousness, imposter syndrome, feeling unsure is part of the game. Mm-hmm. Just like that defense, just like those potholes, that brick wall. You know what happens to me when I'm about to hit the stage? I get super nervous. My palms get sweaty, like yeah. Eminem with his mom's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that tells me? Yeah. About to do what I do. That's what I love it. Tells
0: me. This is the
1: feeling that happens right before I do what I do. <laughs> so I take it and I own it. I internalize it. This right. is a great sign that I'm yeah. about to put in that work.
0: I I love that, man. I, I love that so much. And that perspective is is so greatly appreciated. Um, and man, there was something that you, you just said, going back to the whole defense part, looking at it as a part of the game, a part of the process. It's mm-hmm. not that, it's not that you are inferior. This is just a part of the process, like just changing that narrative in your head. And the point that you made about even the greats, Frank Sinatra, as you just mentioned, threw up before every performance. So everyone goes through it. So it it leads me to that thought of community. And I think one way that people could kind of add to their arsenal in, in terms of dealing with imposter syndrome is connecting with other folks like them that are doing similar things. You talk That's about right. going to this... Uh, speaker camp and that's great right because now you've developed a community right and i think that's, that's right. so important so clutch and i didn't i didn't even really think about it i think intuitively i knew that that makes sense but now i can be intentional new community about it.
1: a new community a new tool set always sharpening your swords getting better mm. at what, there's always another level to what you do um i was going to tell you something you mentioned yeah. um uh, the Frank Sinatra, and the Sarah Vaughn that I mentioned. To you. Oh, you no! Know, mm. Believing man, the importance of believing. The importance of believing. Right. If you don't believe in what you're able to develop, uh, deliver, and who you are, and what you stand for, how's mm. anyone else going to believe it? Mm. Hey, man, there's a guy named Tim Westergren. He was at Pandora Radio. I know we, I know we Spotify fam. I got <laughs> but um, but Tim Westergren from Pandora Radio came to talk to. The folks at Nike, he was the founder of Pandora Radio. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And he
1: talked about having gone to 265 investor pitches before getting a dollar.
0: 265.
1: My guy, how many of us would go to five, 10, 12 (laughs) times, 12, 20 times sitting in a room in front of people who are smart, who understand business, who invest in business for a living, telling us that it's not a thing before we stopped right how many would it take for you 20 50 100 he went to 265 bitches they said nah that's not a thing the 266th he got nine million dollars pandora wow. was my guy if you don't believe if you don't believe there's not a chance it's gonna happen you right. gotta be the one believer whether you think you can old adage cliche whether you think you can or you think you can't you absolutely
0: both right <laughs> Absolutely. And so kind of like a, a follow-up to that, because yeah. a lot of that leads into confidence. Now, yeah. Atura, they say that you can't teach confidence, but from your own experience, from your own life experiences, how were you able to build confidence? Was it just having those wins and just building momentum off of those wins? Is that just where it came from, or was there more to it than that? reps and reps and reps and reps and reps and reps
1: and reps and reps. Kyrie, don't th- Kyrie Irving doesn't think about dribbling the ball. <laughs> mm. He way beyond thinking about that. He put the reps in. Right. They asked Billy Joe what he thinks about when he's playing the song Piano Man live on stage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, Did I turn off the lights? Did I did I close the garage when I left? Did I turn <laughs> off the stove? He ain't think about piano man, he put the reps in. That's right. automatic. That's automatic right. for him. We gotta get to a place if we want to be great where mm. whatever we do, what we deliver becomes automatic to us by right. putting reps in. And you put in enough reps and you start to get wins. You get enough wins and you start to get confident about what you're doing. Never cocky, mm. never like you can't learn something else. But you right. put in enough reps, you start to get enough wins. You start to get confident about what you do. You start to believe in what you do. And it makes it a lot easier to get to the next level. And then you start over again. You start over again. Now it reps again,
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Right.
0: Reps to wins to confidence. Right. Practice, practice, practice. I love it. Um, So Arturo, to the person listening right now Mm -hmm. who's saying, man, I want to have a career like Arturo Nunes. Mm. If you could share any piece of advice or give a pro tip, what would it be to that individual?
1: I am going to say something that is one of my favorite quotes. It's, from, it's a little bit of a mantra that I, I try to live my life by.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That not only applies to the work, uh, but it applies to life in general,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships.
0: Quality of your life is the quality period,
1: of relationships. Period, point blank. Mm-hmm. Are you able to build the relationship? Because you can't do it alone. It mm-hmm. takes a tribe and a village. Are you able to build the relationships that are gonna sustain you, that are gonna support you, that are going to criticize you, that are going to enable you to get to the next place that you want to in your life? Right. We cannot do it alone. We cannot do it alone. Are you able to build relationships with people, to build confidence and trust in people, to drive loyalty to you, your cause, your mission, your to engage people and envelop them in the idea of what you're trying to achieve, to where they will be your co-conspirators and yeah. your help in achieving your success, if you're not able to do that, you will not succeed.
0: Right. And The so quality just- of your
1: life, the quality of your work, the quality of your success, the quality right. of the ability to, to reach your aspirations is directly related to the quality of your relationships.
0: Right. So let's just say there was an individual that either lived in a small town mm. where there wasn't much happening or lived mm. in a rough neighborhood Well, there's a lot happening, but a lot of not good things happening. Sure. How do those people go out there and build that network that can kind of support and sustain their growth?
1: I mean, you got to seek it out. And I think that a lot of the people who are successful at doing what they do, Mm -hmm. um, who've had the hunger and the grit and the perseverance to strive and achieve something, are more than willing to tell you their story and help you. You know, you realize at some point that your legacy is only as good as what you do, giving back and giving to others and helping people along the same trajectory that you took to avoid some of the pitfalls and landmines that Mm -hmm. you may have experienced in your life. There are tons of people out there, successful people. And and, and by the way, I've met them at every turn Mm. that are dying to tell you their story, that are dying to engage you and help you to build yourself. You got to go out and find them. And by the way, it's no excuse that you live in a small town. It's no excuse that you live in a, in a rough area because today technology has democratized access to information, right? Absolutely. Get on, get on that WhatsApp group, get on that, get, get on that, 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 that website, get on that community board, get on that. You know, what, you know there's a thousand ways for you to reach out to people. And, right. and I'm telling you, cause I know that from a, for a fact, nine times out of 10, those people will say yes. Absolutely. To, mentoring you, to helping you to supporting you to at least telling you their story of right. how they got there for you to, to learn by so there's an opportunity to do that. You're only as good as, as that network. Um, and I, I've built an incredible tribe that's global, that mm-hmm. has helped me to achieve my success. And I continue to reach back over that wall, that brick wall I told you about, mm-hmm. and help other people on their climb. You know right. what I'm saying? But but I can't help you if, you, if you're if you not on the other side of the, of the wall. If you're right. not trying to get up, I can't help you if you look at the other way. If you're right. running the other way, I can't help you. But if right. you're at that wall, you're trying to climb, it, it's my responsibility to help you up that wall.
0: And just kind of stick with the basketball reference. What I'm hearing is from all that is you got to shoot your shot. A thousand percent. A thousand
1: percent. A you got to shoot your shot. You got to get your reps in. It's really critically important. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story you may use in this podcast or not, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Yo, Before. one of my mans, I went to Florida A&M University for college. And I, that's yeah. the, the second experiences that changed yeah. my life. Yeah. One was that 16-year-old boy at en my go Cardona. And two was going to Florida and m University. And one of the brothers that I went to school with, will remain nameless for the sake of this podcast, <laughs> who, who was the most talented when it came to talking to women, connecting with women, the most talented, mm. uh, was incredible. His, his ability, his gift, his knack his yeah. for connecting with people and, and, right. and embracing himself and, and, and building warm connections was incredible. And, but I noticed, what I noticed about him is just like what we're talking about today. He was always getting reps in everywhere. Mm. It could have been the Burger King drive-through. He was like, hey, "How are you doing? You having a good day, good. yo? I love how that little hat looks on you." Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "My guy, you do you never stop." He's like, "No, <laughs> the game is about at bats. I'm getting at bats all the right. time, all the time." Right. And so I think again, it's a silly story, but mm-hmm. we're talking about reps, right? The the importance right. of continually hone your craft, hone your trade, hone your game, hone your conversation hone your presentation to the point where you feel confident
0: and empowered to do what you're doing. Wow. Man, so many gems here, man. So many gems. I'm glad I shot my shot. I'm feeling really good,
1: man. Right <laughs> I love it. I'm um, glad you did too, brother.
0: So Arturo, um, getting to my final question here before I ask you two rapid qu- fire questions. Yeah. Um, throughout your amazing career, What is the best lesson you believe you've learned from either failing or pushing through adversity thus far?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, man. Everybody gets to a place um, where you're questioning yourself, or where you have some challenges that you see, you know, seem impossible to you. Right. Um, You know, I I reference a lot of quotes. I'm I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. Uh, Here, you know, there's a quote that I read once that I thought was really insightful, and it said, "You may have very good reasons." why something is impossible. But don't be surprised if someone else goes ahead and does it anyway, because they have very good reasons why it's completely possible. Mm. You feel me?
0: Yeah. You know what that actually reminds me? There's a kind of a salesman anecdote that says a shoe company. <laughs> yes, sir. Sends to India. Yeah. <laughs> you know the story. <laughs> of course you do. That's how what that you, reminds me.
1: Yeah, how do you see the world? There's a problem and opportunity. By the way, as a matter of fact, every problem is an opportunity. Mm, every problem, right. every challenge is an opportunity. This is right. how you see it, how you see it. It's seeing those things as opportunities and taking those risks and taking those challenges and stepping out of your comfort zone, which is where all the growth is, right? Right. So I, you know, I would say, um, you know, certainly the, the idea of taking on opportunities, taking on challenges. Um, not thinking in terms of what's impossible, thinking about in terms of what's possible. Right. Um, you know, developing those relationships critical. You can't do it by, by yourself. Uh, and reps, 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 it becomes natural. Mm. Natural. Just like, just like Kyrie Irving doesn't think about dribbling the ball. The right. best speakers in the world don't think about the audience or the audience size or right. the next slide. They, they automatic. Can you get to automatic?
0: You know? Love it. Now, Tero, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. This is where I ask you three questions. You just give me the first answer that pops into your head. The first one being, what's the worst ad campaign you've ever seen? Great question. Great. What's the worst ad campaign I've ever seen? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. It's like I've seen so many. <laughs> you yo, not for nothing. <laughs> did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. Maybe
1: perhaps this perhaps this will help to answer the question. You watch this year's Super Bowl. Um, if 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 by my criteria, which mm-hmm. is informed by work at some of the greatest companies in the world, work on some of the greatest campaigns in the world, the best ad of the whole Super Bowl was Jesus Christ. Wow. God won the Super Bowl. Mm. Companies with millions and millions of dollars. Bought millions and millions of ad space time on the Super Bowl, and and Jesus Christ won the competition. (laughs) Wow, pretty pretty incredible. I want to know who who Jesus' agency is. They're dope. They did that work.
0: (laughs) I love it. Listen, I
1: I will say that I will say this, man. There's a lot, man. I can't, you know, I I don't want to call somebody out their face. Yeah, Yeah, but but I will say, man, there are many times you see an ad and you question to yourself. Does that company know anything about its customer? Does it really understand anything about what right. their customer is like? You know, you know, um Maya Angelou said people will forget what you said. Mm-hmm. People forget what you did. They won't forget the way you made make them feel. feel. Right? Yeah. And great ads make people feel something about themselves. Not right. about the product of the company. It's bigger than that. Great mm-hmm. ads make people feel something about themselves.
0: You know what I mean? Right, right. I love it's it yeah second one is if you could change one thing about the advertising or marketing world today, what would it be? one thing
1: oh, that's easy thank you thank you, thank you for throwing me a softball. Uh, <laughs> if I could change one thing about the advertising and marketing uh uh, uh today would be you know to make that industry truly diverse.
2: Mm. we need
1: an industry that respects all the customers that uh, knows the importance of having voices of all the customers in those rooms where those decisions are made. You know, actually those two questions are very related that you just asked me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we see a really terrible ad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or an ad that is downright offense, literally offensive, mm-hmm. you can rest assured there were not voices in that room that were diverse enough to say, hey mm-hmm. man, <laughs> how are black folks gonna feel about that? Or how are Hispanics gonna feel about that? Or how are LBGTQ plus people are gonna feel about that, right? So. Mm-hmm. Rooms need to get way more diverse in order to represent all of our customers, all of the people that that put money in these corporations mouths and pockets mm-hmm. and banks. Uh, all those people need to be re- re- represented in the rules and decisions are made so we can truly be inclusive and create work that resonates with everyone, not just a few pockets of people.
0: I love that. And the last one here is what's a what's a favorite book that you read? that either inspired you, changed your life, or was very impactful in some way, shape, or form?
1: Yeah, I would say um, there's a few. Um, There's a few. One that comes to mind immediately, which is one that I've probably um, not only read more times than any other book, but actually given away more Mm -hmm. times than any other book, is a a small book by Deepak, Deepak Chopra called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm. I love that book because it literally gives a blueprint for finding personal fulfillment and success and every chapter of the book is on a different law and at the end of each chapter it tells you how you can practically apply that law to your life. Mm. there's a whole community of people that start reading that book every tiny book 120 pages.
2: Mm.
1: there's an entire community of people that start reading that book every week at law one on Sunday. And go through Lost Seven on Saturday, um, and so highly recommend. I've given it out fifty to hundred times. Uh, that book um, hugely impactful on me. Um, the other one is, is, is probably you know equally as as favorite is uh, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. Mm, yeah, it's a powerful story about you know you know imagination and, and conquering limitations, and mm-hmm. and the reality is that we are only limited by our ability to imagine right. our future. That's a fact, you know? Um, I love the quote that says that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. My parents came to this country from Cuba and Venezuela with a third and fourth grade education and moved to Harlem, New York. And I am their wildest fantasy and, and my grandparents' wildest fantasy come true. And it's my job, my responsibility to pass that legacy forward to my children and hopefully one day to their children so that they can exceed any expectation we ever had for our family and our lineage. So I'm blessed to be able to do that. Uh, My parents had a vision about America being a place where, where some different things were possible than when they were, where they were from. Uh, And I'm trying to live up to the sacrifices they made every day. You know, when I was, I'm I'm, going to close with one more story. You know, I love to Mm. tell stories. When I was a little kid, my parents would tell me that I could be anything I wanted to be. Mm. And me being the precocious kind of asshole little kid that I was, I'll be like, I could be the president. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, nah, you're wilding right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that day that Barack Obama took that stage in Chicago, mm. and he said, For all of those who do not believe that America is a place where anything is possible, I stand here tonight as your proof. Mm. I get emotional. I get goosebumps when I think about that day. I was sitting in a bar in Mexico City when mm. that happened. I was watching on a TV screen, and I said, bartender, Johnny Walker, blue, please, we in here. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history, my brother.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing about the Obama, I I was at the inauguration. I was in college. Mm. Mm. And I I went and I said, I, I got to go to the inauguration because I was so used to reading about history in the history books. Mm. I was like, this is my opportunity right here to, to see it, to see it, to be a part of it. So sure. I that, that that memory uh relates a lot to me. So Arturo, this has been a, a, a beautiful conversation. Uh, you gave birth to so many gems here that my listeners uh will take home and and apply to their daily lives. Now, for uh my listeners, my audience that would that would like to connect with you, maybe there's some clients that want to 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 hire your company, what would be the best way to, to reach out to you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, man. Um, www.aiecreative.com. That's my agency, AIE Associations, Immersions, and Experiences. AIE Creative is my agency. Arturo at aiecreative.com is my email address. Please hit me up. Um, you know, we we help small and mid-sized uh companies and brands uh create their visual identity, create their marketing plans using some of the same magic that the Nikes and the Apples and the MBAs of the world taught me. I pass that forward. Uh, to a lot of my clients. Love to to meet new people and connect with new folks. Love to pass forward the knowledge and the wisdom. I thank you for your invitation to be on, on the show, on the podcast, man. I hope that people find, um, you know, listen, I don't own the truth, man. I'm just telling you my story. You know mm. what I mean? And that's the best that I can do is pass my story forward. And hopefully people can take nuggets from it and it'll help them on their journey.
0: Man. Well, thank you. I've learned so much from today's conversation. Some of the words that I, I can remember at the moment. You talked about putting in the reps, mm-hmm. um, really listening to your your client base, your customer base. Sure. You talked about creating a, a a valuable experience. Those are some of the key words that stick out to me at the present moment. And I know there's so much more. I'm definitely gonna go back and listen to this <laughs> podcast because the amount of gems and jewels that were dropped here today, brother.
1: Is an intentional choice. Greatness yeah. is an intentional choice. Go and be great. You and your listeners, the last word, go and be great.
0: Go and be great. There it is, folks. Well, as many of you guys know, I like to end each episode by saying this. If you just want to impress people, talk about your wins, your successes, your accolades, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life, talk about your downfalls, your failures, the lessons that you learn from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, guys, Arturo and I are out. Peace and love. Until the next time.